Friend, I want you to know that if today's episode resonates with you, my immersive teaching, What Makes Women Feel Beautiful, is for you. Visit hillaryrushford.com slash beautiful to see if enrollment is currently open or get on the wait list for the next time we open doors to welcome new members. I'll put that link in the description of this episode as well. It's hillaryrushford.com slash beautiful. You are welcome here and this teaching experience will change your life. So you are welcome in advance. You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hi, lovely. I want to read you a review that was left by one of our girls named Joy because it's so relevant to what we're going to talk about today. And I just happened to see it right before I started recording. She said, I'm so grateful to have found your podcast, Hillary. I rarely find people who believe it's important to connect to your gut but also apply practicality and wisdom to what the gut is saying and make decisions from that place of wholeness. So much of my life, I've been around people who are very boxed in about what they believe. And I went along with that legalistic way of living, but it left me without a lot of choices. I have left this life behind and I'm attempting to create a different life, but I'm feeling stuck. This episode particularly helped me to both feel it's okay to think outside the box and learn how to do so. I am beyond grateful. Thank you for sharing all your deep and wonderful thoughts and the processes you take to flesh these ideas out into reality. Wow. I love that so much because I realized what we're going to talk about today is a different angle on that same instinct of trusting yourself and doing so with wisdom. Because the wisdom is what leads to the confidence that allows us to trust our gut, even when other people are doing something different, preaching something different, modeling something different, pushing something different. And I didn't realize the correlation between those two episodes. She was referring to episode 173. And today's really is about the small, sometimes teeny tiny choices we make throughout our day. 173 was about the really big, huge life decisions. And I didn't realize that today's is those teeny tiny little momentary, sometimes happen in a flash life choices that ultimately, thank you, Joy, for helping me realize, is also about that trusting your gut and being able to say to yourself, here's the path that I'm going down. Here are the three steps that I'm implementing to this. So I can have confidence because I know what Joy is saying. Sometimes some of the energies around manifestation and listening to your inner wisdom and all of that, it can feel a little nebulous. Like you're like, that sounds nice. It sounds lovely. But how exactly do I do that? And what about when the people in my life are seeming really confident about what they're doing or what they think I should do, how do I not get swayed by that? And this came up for me a few weeks ago. Uh, To set the scene, we are at our dear friend's house, some of our best friends, and uh, they had a baby a year and a half ago. And my, uh, it's a couple, and my Dear friend, again, wonderful person who I love, who I trust, who is so sweet and kind and gentle, you know, everything positive, says, when we had just found out that we were pregnant. She says, oh my gosh, now that you are pregnant, I should give you this book. And it's called Real Food for Pregnancy. 
The Science and Wisdom of Optimal Prenatal Nutrition. It's by uh, Lily Nichols, R-D-N-C-D-E. And I say, oh, I, um, oh, well, I'm not carrying, you know, we're using a surrogate, which they know. So I'm thinking that she's going to be like, oh, right. Yeah, this wouldn't apply to you. And instead she says, well, maybe you could send it to her though. And so I take the book and I'm flipping through it. I'm hoping that maybe there's going to be like a cheat sheet at the end of each chapter or a cheat sheet at the end of the book where I can be like, okay, it's 10 tips for nutrition. And I can just summarize these and, you know, give a couple of these. I do just a real quick thumb through in two seconds. This book is so dense. Like there's no pictures. There is no tables. It's over 300 pages of just detailed nutrition information. And I say, oh, I don't think I would feel comfortable you know, putting that much on her, expecting her to read and implement all of this. And my friend says, um, oh, it just, it has stuff about brain health. And I realize that this is how subtly it happens. The mom shaming, the business shaming, the faith shaming, whatever it is. Because again, let me reiterate, this is a sweet, kind friend. She's not passive aggressive. She's not pushy. She's not judgy. She loves her child so much and absolutely wants the best for them. And she knows that I am going to feel the same. And this is one of the most important things she did for herself and her child in her pregnancy. And she therefore is deeply convicted and compelled by it, that this matters so much. That's why she just devoured every page of this because it's so important to her. So if it wasn't that important to her, then she wouldn't really be going around proselytizing and sharing it with everybody else, but it is. But in that moment, the implication under that sentence, which again, this friend is not trying to shame or pressure. And I think that that's really important to highlight at the top of this conversation because this can arise even when people are coming from a wonderfully positive, supportive, loving place. These are people you trust, you respect, that you feel safe around. Again, they're not being passive aggressive. They're not being pushy. But what is the implication under that sentence? If you don't do this, your child won't have as good of brain health. So your child won't be as smart. So I then am in that split second and faced with well, am I harming my child by my unwillingness to micromanage and put a heavy cognitive load and pressure on my surrogate? Am I going to have a less intelligent child, et cetera? And so we have dinner and as we're leaving, I'm like, let me borrow that book. I, like, even though you know, two hours have gone by at this point, but that little seed has been planted of shame of maybe I'm not doing the right thing. So I get home, I'm taking a bath. I start to read the book. I don't even make it to page one. We're in the, you know, Roman numerals part. We're in the, we're in the introduction basically. And I'm like, nope, <laughs> hard no. I get to the description of the conventional nutrition, the way you would eat and the sample meal plan that they're going to walk you through in this book. 
So conventional nutrition for breakfast, you would have oatmeal, low-fat milk, and strawberries. And here you would have a crustless spinach quiche, pork breakfast sausages, pasture-raised, and a banana. And I'm like, is she, our surrogate is a mom of two. She's trying to get them out the door to school. She works full-time. Is she supposed to be making herself this crustless spinach quiche? Because when I read oatmeal and berries, I'm like, that doesn't take any time to cook, any time to prepare. That sounds more affordable to cook. That sounds easier and more you know, time manageable to cook. Then we get into afternoon snack, conventional nutrition, carrot slices, and whole wheat crackers, uh, real food for pregnancy, sample meal plan, sardines packed in olive oil, and brown rice crackers. Okay, sure, with the crackers. But I'm like, sardines? I would not be eating sardines if I was pregnant. There's no way that I'm eating sardines. Now, I don't feel know how our surrogate feels about sardines. But in that moment, I was like, this is not practical for her life as a busy working mom. And also, this is not what I would do for myself if I was caring. And then on the next page, it says, if you knew that eating the right foods now could prevent your baby from developing diabetes or struggling with obesity or having chronic skin rashes later in life, would you eat differently? And I said, came out and I said to Jeremy, so neither of us have any history of diabetes in our family. So why would I be making choices now out of a fear of something we have no likelihood of? Uh, neither of us have obesity on either side of our family. I'm not sure what chronic skin rashes are, but I mean, there's a long list of things, right? That I could be concerned about that my child will have. What if my child has cancer? What if my child has this, has that? Like these are three things out of thousands of things that my kid could have. And there is not a direct correlation to say, if you don't do the things in this book, you are going to have those things. Now, I understand that this book is saying it decreases your risk of those things, but all throughout life, there are things that decrease our risk, and yet we all only have the time, money, and energy resources to pursue certain things. We cannot take every single step in life and say, is there any way that I could minimize the risk? We would just never get out the door in the morning. And I said to him, I don't have any of those things. And my mom didn't do this. My mom didn't have this wisdom and I turned out fine and healthy. So even if our child does have something, that doesn't mean that I should go back to maybe if only I had forced our surrogate to eat the sardines, this thing wouldn't have happened to my child. But the seed here gets planted to say, if you don't do this thing well, or right, or enough, then you could have this negative consequence down the road, and it could be your fault for not trying harder. And I just think these moments, this can apply to anything. It is not just about parenting. It's like you aren't fearful about something until someone else says that you should be. And now that they're fearful, suddenly they've planted that seed of fear within you. You've decided to be chill about this thing in your life, but someone else in your life is stressed about it. And it's really hard to maintain your chill and your peace and your calm when they're agitated and, and anxious about it. Or it doesn't even have to be agitated, but they 
are like, we should be concerned about this. And you're like, actually, I think I'm going to be chill about it. And they're like, but why aren't you concerned? Or you have other priorities and you cannot do everything. But now someone else has given you, uh, planted the seed, given you the implication that you should also now be prioritizing this additional thing in your business, this additional thing in your parenting, this additional thing in your health regime, whatever it is, you already have a lot of things on your plate. And we get so many ideas, options, opportunities, possibilities, so much knowledge, so many opinions that it is so easy to then feel fearful, anxious, or feel stressed, overwhelmed, and ultimately to second guess ourselves and second guess what our initial gut was. So I went back to my original intentions. And what I realized is helping me so much in this process of approaching motherhood. And again, I don't think it's specific to that topic. That's just the season that I'm in, but this could apply for you in business or faith or health or wealth, whatever, is that I have this this really these really specific moments of clear stories and memories that can take me back to certain times in this journey and say what was my intention what had i made the decision to decide on something and for me that's because story that i shared in our fertility and surrogacy episodes is that last summer we hired a doula for an educational session. And it was the same week that a friend of mine was matched for adoption. And as I was, I had had hired this doula to tell us what things should we care about and not care about when wanting to be matched with a surrogate, because we have to give our agency this list and we don't know what are the important things to care about. Should we care about whether or not she eats the sardines? Should we care about whether or not she makes herself the crustless spinach quiche or she just eats oatmeal? And then my friend was matched with adoption and I got to, I realized how much she has zero control over that situation. And she had so much peace and so much joy. And I realized I get so much more control over surrogacy. I don't need to micromanage to have the ultimate control. And I have this visceral memory because we were out in Southern California. I was walking loops in my neighborhood, talking, exchanging voice messages with this friend almost every day, making these processes. And so I have this really specific memory and moment to go back to, moment in time to say, I decided I wasn't going to micromanage because I shared that what the doula's main advice was is that everything we really know matters your OB is going to recommend. Everything else, we don't really know matters because we can't test on pregnant women and and, um, babies in utero ethically. And so we can use our wisdom, but we don't really know. We don't really have data on that. So, and the most important thing she said is that you lower stress. So whatever stresses you out, you should prioritize. So my friend who I got the doula recommendation from is the same one that gave me this book. That friend was deeply concerned about nutrition because she also is deeply concerned about her own nutrition. The way this friend eats is so much more clean and organic and intentional. I mean, I feel like I eat healthy, but it's like nowhere near this friend. So of course it makes sense that that was going to be her priority. So this same doula supported her 
in making all of the incredibly healthy nutrition choices because it was going to lower her stress. And we do know that's going to be healthier for the baby and um, the mom or the carrier. So I had already decided what I want then is low stress for me and for our surrogate. So I want to choose a surrogate that I trust. And then I just want to trust them. I don't want to micromanage them. I don't want to panic and worry about every little thing. And I was thinking about how, how do we create those really clear moments and memories? I think that's a huge value for us with the Elegant Excellence Journal. When you've sat down and you've gone through your portrait at the beginning of the portrait journal, you've walked through. Here were the lessons that I learned from last year, and here's my visions for the future, and I'm going to marry them in the middle, and here's all of my goals, but then I'm going to organize them in priority, and I'm going to lay them out in a path so that I'm saying yes to less, but I'm confident in the things I'm saying yes to, in the order of them. I know why they are meaningful and valuable to me. I am deprioritizing some other things, but I see the wisdom in that. That's what we're really doing is creating an anchor to then be able to go back and review, flip back through your portrait. What is it you learned last year? Oh, right. That's why I decided not to do this thing that was going to get me overcommitted because when I reviewed my last year, I was able to identify the things that absolutely put me into burnout and overwhelm. It's also the visceral experience that we have going through a course, an experience like my healing burnout course or what makes women feel beautiful. When you're going through and you're watching these video teachings, you're doing these exercises, you're having conversations in community, you're in kind of a incubator on this topic to say it was poignant to me. I remember why I joined the healing burnout uh, program. I remember this teaching and this teaching, and that was such a catalyst for me that unlocks, that allows me to go back and say, no, I, I had that moment in fall 2023 when I took what makes women feel beautiful and I rewired what my desires are for a healthy body and beauty. And now that I am anchored in, I'm going to be pulled off my game less by my mom, my sister, my best friend, culture, whatever it is. And I can go back a year later and remember, oh yeah, last fall, it was this teaching and it was this moment. I remember watching that video. I remember I would go to the coffee shop and I would listen to it in the bath. And I just remember in that season, this is the clarity that I had and I'm going to go back to it. And I talked in last week's episode about peace and how I'm experiencing such wild peace in this season, I am confused and fascinated by it and wanting to figure out how to feel that in other areas of my life. And one of the components was having a really clear decision to make by a deadline. But I also think it's not even so much a decision as just a shift. I think it can also be the container that comes from saying, I am in this healing burnout experience for the next six weeks. I am in the what makes women feel beautiful experience for the next six weeks. And I am really going to focus on this so that I feel a shift and a change. My intention for this six weeks is healing my burnout, is feeling more beautiful And that's going to make a substantive shift. It's not just going to be a one-off thing that I heard once 
forgot about it for three weeks and it didn't really make a substantial change. So I think it can be a deadline in making a decision, but it also can be that real intensity because I've been experiencing this in the, what are we at now? Five weeks maybe since we found out we were pregnant. And I was like, okay, this has got to be a season shift. I have got to have breakthrough in this mindset area and this work-life balance area. A baby is coming. And so I have sunk in and immersed myself And I'll talk about this on another episode once I have more space from it. But friend, it is so powerful. I am feeling the mentally and emotionally healthiest that I've ever felt. And it's because I'm like, okay, we got to get in and give ourselves this boot camp in the same way that you can have that experience in a course you can go through the portrait in the Elegant Excellence Journal and you have that then to anchor back on. So I went back to what was my original intention. It was having low stress for both me and my surrogate by not micromanaging. So that means this detail-oriented book with all of its nutrition is not in line with the goal that I made at a calm, centered time with wisdom, with intention. I hired a coach. I talked to a trusted friend. I was immersed in a deadline to make a decision. I went through all of that and I got clear on my goal. So when Joy is saying, I'm letting these other people in her review, I'm letting these other people kind of make me question that that was what was true in my gut. And Joy said, other people are telling me to listen to my gut, but Hillary, you said, here's the process for gaining confidence in your gut. And I think it's that. I think it's creating this sort of bubble, this container where we make this decision. And then when we get other opinions and outside information, guys, I was shocked how rattled I was. That's what I can't stop thinking about. I took the book. I took the book. I can't believe I took the book. I can't believe that I got so rattled and I took the book after a two-hour dinner. It wasn't even in a 10-second moment. Even after, now I wasn't consciously thinking about it, of course, because I was being present, but it lingered, that little shame seed of fear. So I actually took a book that never in a million years would I have read myself during pregnancy and would in this case have had you ship. Mind you, why would I not just go order the book online and send it to my surrogate? But I would have to ship this book to her and then ask her to read in between working full time, getting to all of her uh, doctor's appointments for the baby and having two kids. She's now got to read and then shop for and cook and live out a, um, a 300 page book, which mind you, when my friend was doing this, my friend doesn't have any other kids. So she, she was able to just be like, okay, this is my project while pregnant is I'm going to learn about nutrition. This is my thing. But that's a lot easier when you don't have kids versus when you already have two kids. So then I second thought about what are my bigger picture priorities in, in life outside of this one specific incident? So the experience of pregnancy, my number one goal was low stress and not micromanage. And that's going to make me happiest and healthiest, surrogate happiest and healthiest, baby happiest and healthiest. But zooming out even more, my bigger picture priority around not just parenthood, but life is emotional health. I think when it comes to parenting, but I think we would have this in our health and nutrition, our wellness personally, we would have this in our business or our career. 
there's different priorities that people can have. And so I think some in parenthood may be about really giving their kids the tools to succeed. It might be about getting them education and extracurriculars and tutors and really helping them be exceptional and succeed and excel. Or maybe if you are in a lower income neighborhood, you are very intentional about making sure you do everything you can to give your child the wisdom and the educational opportunities to get out of that lower income community. So I think one is kind of excelling in that, in, in education and opportunities. For my friend, it's physical health and nutrition. I mean, that's the, the big picture priority in her life for herself. And therefore, she deeply cares about that for her child. Mine is emotional health, mental and emotional health. I mean, it's what we talk about every single week here on the podcast. It's what I'm talking about over in Instagram stories. It's ultimately what our approach is in the garden party with whatever our monthly topic is over there. That's what I'm working on as a human and what I want Jeremy and I to excel in as parents so that we can teach a child from a young age to excel in that. So that is my big picture priority. And that doesn't mean that I don't care about our child you know, having a good education or good nutrition. But if we can only, if prio means one, which means when you say priority, you actually get one. It is a singular. It is not a plural word. So you can't say my priorities are mental, emotional health and physical well-being and education. If you have to rank them because you only get one, there's not going to be a right or a wrong. But even with just those three categories, every you're going to have a third and a third and a third of people which are making different choices, which means that out of your friends and family and online community, different people are going to be having different priorities. And so if you are very clear on what yours is, it allows me then to say, you know what? This friend's priority is nutrition. So of course, this is the number one book she wanted to gift me. And when I was like, oh, I think I'm good. She was like, no, are you sure though? This should be your priority. Brain health should be your priority. And, I'm, and for me afterwards, even though I didn't quite have it in the moment, but I'm new to this parenthood journey, so I'm giving myself grace there. But again, I just can't tell you how shocked I am that I walked away with the book. <laughs> like I just was another one of those moments where I was like, I need to walk through how I walked out of here with the book because I don't want to be this swayed. I felt like I was so clear. But what I would say to myself in the future is, is this, again, what's, what's your number one goal? Low stress and micromanage. Does that meet that goal? No. What's your bigger picture priority? Emotional health. Is this in line with that goal? No. Is your friend's bigger goal health and nutrition? Yes. Okay, cool. Then it makes sense that this is why it was her favorite book, but this is not going to be your favorite book. Hillary, you're going to have a book that you insist everybody reads. I'm going to be on here, you know, at some point telling you guys, okay, if you're having a baby, here's the book that you need to read, but it's going to be about mental and emotional health, whether as a parent or a child, it's just not going to be a nutrition book. That's not my big picture priority in life. So then last week I went to coffee with a girlfriend who, uh, she was one of my bridesmaids. And, uh, since she got married, then she had a baby a year ago. And so I said, okay, let's go to coffee. I want to hear about all the motherhood things. I want to hear what do you wish you had known a year ago? Or what are you glad that someone told you? And she said, 
I would have given you a different answer if you asked me after the first six months versus what I'm going to tell you now at 12 months. What I would have said after the first six months is I wish I'd known more about sleep. And now at the end of 12 months, I would say, eh, you'll figure out the sleep. Don't stress about it. (laughs) And she said, what I think I observe is that, uh, and this friend is British and her husband is European. And she said, I think in American culture, we are especially obsessed with how a baby sleeps. There seems to be a real fixation on it and a real belief that you can engineer and hack and micromanage this living, breathing being. And if they aren't performing to your optimized standards, there must be another way that you can improve your system and that you can control this being. And she said, now that we're through it, I'm like, I think I would just say, yeah, you're going to be tired in that season. I mean, I mean, get the wisdom, you know, she wasn't saying like have absolutely no knowledge, but she said, I wish that I, she said, I used to feel like if the baby didn't sleep well, we didn't have a good day. If, if that was, if there was a sleep issue, then that was just derailing the day. She said, it's too much pressure to put on this being who doesn't know that they're performing, who is an organic living, breathing creature. And I I was putting so much of my definition of success and happiness and peace on trying to control this one element of it. And that resonated with me so much. She also said, I would, I would tell you that it is very hard to have the majority of your mom friends also be first time moms. Because everyone as a first-time mom is just, they're, they're a little intense, they're a little overwhelmed, they're a little unsure, they hope they're doing it right, so they're going to be comparing with everybody else, they're trying to do it well, so they're taking all the notes. And she said, I'm realizing there was so much of that energy that it just kind of raises it, right? Everyone's a little more intense, so it makes everything more intense. And she said, for example, I was on a walk in the park with the baby recently in the morning. I put it on Instagram. It had the timestamp on it. And a friend texted me, what, what time does the baby wake up? Like, as in, wait a minute, you were out at this time. That meant your baby woke up earlier. Does that mean your baby is not, is waking up before 7am? Like, if so, that's a problem or whatever. And so she's like, I just didn't reply. And I was like, I'm so proud of you for not replying. And she's like, I just thought like, we're fine. We're doing fine. We're having a lovely morning. We're walking in the park. Did the baby wake up earlier than I, you know, would like that they slept? Yeah. And were we fine? Yeah. And do I need any tips on it? No. And so I said, I've been thinking about it since. And I said to Jeremy, what if we say one of our things is to each other, meaning not that we're telling this to other people necessarily. I mean, I'm telling you guys, but I just mean this isn't verbally necessarily what I would exactly say. What if we just do not really discuss sleep because we know it's a hot button issue that people are really obsessed with and everybody wants to give advice and opinions on. And so when someone asks, how is the baby sleeping? We say, they're sleeping and you know, they just bring us so much joy. I mean, even when I'm up in the middle of the night, 
I just think we're only doing this once with a newborn and with an infant. And I know we're going to miss this stage. And so even on those times when I'm not getting a lot of sleep, I'm like, this is a once in a lifetime experience. We chose to have this experience. We knew this is what came with it. And we know before long, they're going to be seven years old and we're going to miss these times. Oh my gosh. I just started to get a little emotional when I said that. Ay, ay, ay. Um, okay. I'm fine though. I didn't actually cry. We're going to miss these times. So notice I didn't actually answer how the baby is sleeping. I just said they're sleeping. And then I moved on to all of the positive mindset that I'm bringing regardless of whether or not the baby is, how the baby is sleeping. Um, are they sleeping through the night? They're doing great. I mean, even when we're, uh, when they're awake, we're just so aware that this is a precious season, blah, blah, blah. Again, I didn't answer the question. I just said they're, they're doing great. Um, not using terms like good or bad, which I don't think people necessarily say they have a bad baby or a bad sleeper, but they will say it's, it's great. It's a really good baby. Like, yeah, they're a good sleeper which implies then that there are bad babies and bad sleepers. But if again, going back to mental and emotional health, I'm going to be working not to associate, like we talk about things like the terrible twos. Well, if you call something terrible, you're probably not going to be happy in it, right? But I think nowadays, maybe do we not use that anymore? Like, do we all know that's outdated where you're like, the, this two-year-old is not being terrible. They are trying to learn to express the feelings, emotions, sensations that they're having, but they don't yet have their vocabulary, but they know enough to be able to, I mean, I can imagine that would be frustrating. So that's the experience that they're having. Do you ever feel frustrated that you can't express yourself well? Yes. Do you have a little temper tantrum about it? You do. You do it in a strongly word email or a tone when you're on that Zoom call. So yeah, your two-year-old who has a fraction of the life experience that you do is going to have those moments as well. So if I'm not going to use labels such as terrible problem child, problematic, whatever, then why am I also using it now to associate, is the baby a good baby or, or not? Are they a good sleeper or not? And instead, just saying we're going to focus on what we want to focus on, which truly is choosing to be grateful for this experience. And even before this coffee with this friend saying it, that's what Jeremy and I've talked about is going into the season saying, we know there's going to be hard times. We know we're going to be tired. We know we're going to be stressed. We know there's going to be meltdowns, whatever. But we're choosing this and we believe it's going to bring us more joy overall and that the hard times are going to be worth it. And so let's remember that mentality going into it. So I'm curious, what is it in your life that you don't want to discuss that it feels like gets brought up and you just need to have your, or rather you not, you don't need to, but you can have your answer prepared for how to pivot. I mean, if you are struggling with infertility, I think we know now on social media, there are so many triggers. People give so much unhelpful, unsolicited advice. And I don't think we would still have so many reels about it of like things not to say if people weren't still saying the things like don't say to someone who's trying to conceive, just don't stress. And that's when it always happens, like not helpful, but I don't think we'd still be seeing reels about it. I just saw one the other day. 
if people weren't still saying it. But I actually realize also when I was thinking about this conversation today that I didn't share about our infertility or I shouldn't say we had infertility. I didn't share about my embryo freezing and whether or not I was going to go forward and do more rounds. I didn't share about surrogacy and whether we were going to um, move forward in that. I did share a little bit about being on the fence about children, but I wasn't really leaving it open for discussion. And I, it also wasn't at the very time that I was trying to decide. It was like, a year before I really was like, okay, we got to make this decision. So it didn't feel that tender at the time. So all of those choices, I didn't share until my decision was made. I was confident that I was right to stop at five rounds or three embryos, whichever came first. I was confident that I was right to choose the route of surrogacy because it gave us a higher likelihood that those embryos would be enough. I was confident in our decision to have children. So now I'm not, I'm not taking information from the peanut gallery because I, all, I listened to my gut in more quiet where it really was just God and me, to be honest, and whatever your faith is in that. I really did decide for myself and that's where the confidence and the choice comes from because I had to fight to get to that piece. And it wasn't fielding 20 different opinions, which come from people with different goals, different priorities, different personalities, et cetera, that we're taking all this in from. I shared in the episode on the number one question to stop asking in pregnancy around gender. I prepped my answer that when people asked, did you decide on the gender? I would say, we were unsure for a long time what we wanted to do, but we decided that even if we did choose, we wouldn't have shared that because blah, 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 blah. Um, I, I prepped, I pre-rehearsed, I literally practiced that answer with Jeremy before going into scenarios where I knew that I was going to be asked. So do you notice that when it comes to your business plans or goals, your career goals and priorities, your the kind of home you want to buy or the renovations that you're doing? Like, what is it in your life that you're getting this unsolicited advice on and realizing how can I, how can I just change the conversation where I don't engage in the 10 questions, where I don't allow for the openness of the unsolicited advice, because I just talk, I just don't talk about it. I just switch over to the topic or I just talk positively about it, whatever it is. And if they make a suggestion that I just go right back to my positive thinking and I just don't allow for the openness of all of these other opinions, if it's an area where it's causing me stress. Of course, there's other areas where you want advice, right? You're happy to talk to people because you're really curious. I'm thinking about starting a business and I want to talk to other people who are doing it. I'm, we're trying to decide about kids. And so I'm asking people who do have kids, people who don't have kids. Advice is wonderful. Community experience, all of that is incredible until... <laughs> It's making you either more fearful and anxious or overwhelmed and burnt out because you're, you're either fearful and anxious, you're not doing the right things, or you're overwhelmed and burned out because you're trying to do all the things, or you're feeling insecure and second guessing what your own choices were. 
And so when I go back to, again, what was your original intention in this narrow area and then your bigger picture priority? My original intention in parenting is enjoying this life experience. You know, I want to enjoy this season of pregnancy with surrogacy. That was like the more niche goal. But even more broadly, I decided when saying yes to having a child that Jeremy and I were going to enjoy this, that our declaration is we are going to love parenting more than most people we know, that that not everyone loves parenting. A lot of people are struggle with it and talk about the hard parts of it and like, uh, it's, it's kind of more tough than good. But for us, and this is not a judgment on anyone, but it's our approach to say, we are constantly going to look for and believe in and make priorities and choices so that the reality is we love parenting than most people we know. We love it. I say this to Jeremy all the time in the, just in the last few weeks, I'm just constantly like, I'm so excited. I think we are going to love this so much. I think we are going to enjoy this so much and that we are going to be so grateful for it. And, you know, in our case, we have the unique angle that we're only going to do it once at this baby stage. And I think that really allows for that sense of, as I said in the episode last week on peace, realizing I had the once in a lifetime experience of planning a wedding and I didn't make myself very happy in it. And I can look back through business and give myself a lot of grace that I did the best that I could, but see a lot of ways in which I made myself less happy. And so now I want to take all of that life wisdom into a new experience and say, I'm going to use that from all these other areas in my life to make myself happier with my mindset, my choices, my priorities, et cetera. And then that bigger picture priority of emotional and mental health that I see is present in what, why am I working out? Because I want to be mentally and emotionally healthier. What am I trying to pursue in my business? Creating mental space, creating, et cetera, that. What am I doing in parenthood? What am I doing in marriage? Like all of that for me is my bigger picture priority. And so I think when I have just a couple of those things that I can just say, I want to enjoy this with low stress and have mental and emotional health, now I can run things through that filter when I'm getting other ideas and suggestions. Am I focusing on their top intentions and goals and priorities or mine? Is this additional useful information that's taking me along the same path or is it adding complication? So let's say, for example, in, you're in your business, you're wanting to grow your list and your audience, and you're really focused on YouTube. If somebody is giving you other wisdom on YouTube, you're like, this is so helpful. This is great. I love this episode. I love this conversation. I love following this person. This is in line with what I'm already focusing on. But if they're like, honestly, I think it should be over on TikTok, but you've gone through it. You've already decided between Instagram and YouTube, and you've gone through all these things, and you made the decision of YouTube, then you can't let yourself get thrown because they've made another decision. And the reality is, if it was 100% crystal clear, everybody would be doing one thing. Nobody would be doing the other thing. There wouldn't even be a conversation. So that allows me to have more confidence in not listening to that information, not adding it to my plate to be like, well, maybe I should rethink everything I'm doing on YouTube, or maybe I should try to do both because you're putting this fear in me. But if the tables were turned, would that 
are, are you equally advocating for this person to, you know, get over to YouTube? Probably not. It, it, I think it depends. This is actually a good element I hadn't thought about before. I think it also depends kind of the power dynamic in the situation. Because of course, as a mother already of a one and a half year old, my friend kind of has the upper hand to be like, here's the book that you should read, right? Whereas I'm a new time parent. So I have less to stand on to say, no, thank you. I know best for my child. And it's like, well, but you're not a mom yet. How would you know best? So if someone who is further than you in business, or you think is, is more successful than you in business that you think has knowledge or background in this, if somebody has no knowledge, you know, have no respect for them, it's easier to brush it off. Right. But I think this especially comes up when we think this person might know what they're talking about. And that can be true. And it cannot be in line with the number one goal, number one priority for your life. It can be taking me down a different path, adding a complication, making me less secure in my path. And if you're in that stage where you're trying to decide, then great, take in all the information. But once we've decided, I think that's where we get ourselves into so much pain and chaos is you've already decided it's YouTube. You've already decided to buy this house. You've already decided to stay and fight for your marriage after the affair. You've already decided that you aren't going to obsess over the nutrition, whatever it is. And this is where we start to feel crazy is when other people keep adding on. And so you either have to second guess your original choice or you have to add on and, and try to say yes to more complications that leads to overwhelm and burnout. Um, if it's taking me off or I even think that people might take me off, then don't share it. And don't open up the, the conversation in that way. Now, the friend will still offer you the book because I didn't bring up that conversation. I didn't do anything to invite it. I just walked into their home, said, we're pregnant. And, you know, within five minutes, the, the book was in my hand. So it's not saying that you will necessarily be able to avoid it. And you will still have moments when you second guess because I can't believe that I took the freaking book home. Like even over hours, I still can't believe that I second guessed because I think of myself as being mentally strong in this way and having done this work. And so if you're listening and you're like, I think Hillary's done a lot more work in this area. Like she hired the expert and whatever. She'd had this intention for a year. I listened to the peace episode. She had this whole history. I listened to the fertility and the surrogacy. It's been a long journey of really anchoring in. Meanwhile, I'm new at entrepreneurship or I just, I got pregnant and we weren't planning on it. And here we are. And I don't have a lot of, um, you know, background for this, or I just recently, you know, decided to end my relationship when I found something out. I didn't have a lot of time to prepare for this. So knowing that I, Hillary, still second guessed, still got pulled off my center, got pulled out of my game and the way I wanted to play, what my strategy, my approach on offense to this whole parenting journey, even with all of that. And yet, hopefully after this episode, you will understand how to feel stronger because I, I do that I went through and was like, okay, what does my game plan have to be to not get pulled off my center like this? And I've now clarified, I can't control her sharing. And again, she did nothing wrong. People are going to share because they're passionate. They care. They're joyful. 
they it doesn't even necessarily mean that they're being a, a know-it-all and they want to share their information they're just they're they're passionate they want to help you be a good mom they want to help you be a good entrepreneur they've worked hard for the knowledge they have in real estate you know whatever it is they heard one podcast episode on divorce and they thought it was really poignant even though it didn't apply to them like it isn't that they are doing anything wrong by sharing and i can't control her sharing but i can control my center more by going back to what are my goals and priorities. And the more that I refocus on that, the more that I spend time with my Elegant Excellence Journal, the more that I sink into the right teaching on that topic. If you're trying to have that confidence in your body and your beauty, it's what makes women feel beautiful. If you are trying to not get burned out, it's the healing burnout course. I have my things I'm going to right now in the season to say, I'm going to dive into this book. I'm in a journal about this. This is the area I want breakthrough in. That all allows me to control my center more and I limit the times that I'm forced to work so hard to control it by changing the conversation and being prepared to do so. Knowing I don't really want to engage in stuff on this topic, getting that wisdom from another friend that's like, okay, sleep is kind of the thing people are obsessed about. And I'm like, okay, you know, now that I think about that, I do hear people talk about that a lot. Maybe that's just something that I won't talk about and I won't broach and bring up unless I would like advice on it. And who are the people that I want that, you know, advice from? And then clarifying with people who do bring it up, if it's a repeated topic or I frequently see them and this person keeps coming back to it, then you can be a little more clear that you're saying, actually, we've just decided not to talk about sleep because et cetera, et cetera. Um, I walked through, we have a, a bonus in the uh, what makes women feel beautiful experience on how to set boundaries specifically on this that walks you through all the different stages and scenarios of when do we just pivot the conversation and when do we actually engage it and what do we do if somebody isn't honoring those boundaries so having that education on it to say I don't want to be taken off my center in this way and I will say in humility this is the very beginning of my journey on a huge, complex topic of parenting. I will be a parent for the rest of my life. And there is going to be advice at every stage along the journey. But just because you know, you're going to get advice and unsolicited advice and people are gonna have opinions doesn't mean that you just collapse and are like, well, people are just gonna have unsolicited advice. So I guess I'm just always gonna have to deal with it. I mean, obviously, right? You're like, okay, yeah, they are, which means I'm going to prepare a little extra. I'm going to put a little extra intention into my internal, mental, emotional preparation and also my awareness of that friend. Like I said, with the gender where I was like, there are some people in my life who are really obsessed with whether or not we pick the gender and what the gender of our baby is. And they will ask every single time I see them. So I just, I knew I had to prepare before seeing those friends. And in the same way, being able to do so here. And I know that it will not be perfect. It's not that I'm never going to feel shamed. It's not that I'm never going to be thrown off. But I think sometimes, specifically in an area where we feel, I feel like with parenting, it feels like, oh, there's no way to avoid the unsolicited advice. Oh yeah, the mom shame, it's so real. And I'm like, yeah, but there is something defeating in that and disempowering that says, This is going to make you unhappy and you're just going to have to deal with it. And as you know, this is not how I approach 
anything, and it's not from an idealistic perspective of thinking we can control it all, case in point, not being idealistic about saying we can control how this child will sleep and we will be able to be perfect and hack the system and make it happen. It's actually saying in humility, I won't be able to control it. So I'm going to work on the parts that I can control, which is my inner mindset and some wisdom in how I'm approaching those conversations with others. So if uh, nutrition is your thing, you may want to read Real Food for Pregnancy. It comes highly recommended by my very intelligent on nutrition friend, if that is your thing. But I think what's most important is that you know what your thing is. And I honor that your and my things are going to be different. And kind of that advice from the doula, right? If the most important thing is what doesn't stress you out, then I think that's true for all of us. That happens to be pregnancy, you know, gestation advice. But isn't the most important thing also what stresses you out the least in marriage or buying a house or business or in your career? Isn't it peace that we ultimately are looking for? And the more peace we have, the happier we are. We know that you know our immune system is hit when we're in burnout. We know that it leads to lack of physical health, increase of disease, all of these things when we're in a constant state of burnout. So this is the way we all want to live. The way that doula is saying what that doula is saying is have less stress in your life and you will be happier and healthier. That's wisdom that applies to everything. And therefore, whatever your goals and priorities are, I hope that this has helped you anchor into confidence in those. Have peace that not everyone is going to agree with them. Absolutely. We just all are going to have our own things. That doesn't mean you have chosen wrong. It just means, again, if there was a clear answer, we would all be doing the same thing. And that this allows you to feel more empowered in ultimately trusting your gut and then honoring and hoping and believing, wishing the same way we say, you know, I, I hope you feel beautiful and I wish you joy and peace today in, in body image and in beauty instead of judging others the same thing. You know, I wish back to my friend, I want to gift her, you know, I haven't thought about this, but I've got to give her this book back at some point and say that I'm not going to read it. But I guess I will probably, that's, you know, that's probably what I will say is thank you so much for lending me this. This actually gave me so much to think about, not because I read the book, I just read the introduction and what I realized and I will just share this with her. These, this was my goal. This was my priority. I see this was your priority. Everyone's going to have a different uh, priority in parenting and ours are different. And yet we both are doing the best to love our children, love ourselves. One isn't better or worse. It's no judgment. It's just acknowledging prio means one and we've all got to pick one. And if ours are different, that's totally fine. I'm sure a year and a half from now, I'm going to be telling you the most amazing book that I read in this whole process. And it's going to be about mental and emotional health. And you might be like at that season, I don't have time to read it. I've gone back to work now, like between the work and the baby, I don't really have time to read books. No worries. I'm not, you know, you're not going to read my book either, but ultimately what matters is are we feeling the most peace and the least stress as parents, as entrepreneurs, whatever it is in your world. May you be pursuing it with the least stress and the most confidence in your goals and your priorities. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately is simplifying the decor around my home. So what triggered this is I was looking for a place to film. I'm wanting to start doing more 
outfit style related posts, uh, videos, little tutorials on Instagram. And as beautiful as our home is, hair toss, we got real first world problems around here that we have so many floor to ceiling windows that there really isn't good backgrounds to film in our house because you're going to be backlit in front of the windows. And other than that, there just aren't that many good angles. We have a amazing home in every other regard, but it's not the best for the Instagram. So I had this idea to film in this certain corner. And yet it was one of those corners where like I had all my books stacked, all the novels I think I'm going to read that I haven't gotten around to. And it was just that like corner where all the, the things are, whatever. So I cleaned it out to simplify and make that pretty for filming. And then I was like, oh my gosh, that looks so nice over there. It feels so relaxing and refreshing to see that white space. And then I was just wanted to start doing that. Then I looked at my dresser and I, because I'd been dusting the end table, then I was like, oh, the dresser also looks dusty. So I went to dust the dresser. And then I thought, you know, I just don't need all this stuff up here. This is kind of cluttery. What if I just took everything off, put it back on? And in the end, there was like four pieces, little, you know, a little figurines, little decor, tchotchke type things of, of frame, whatever, that I just realized I didn't need quite as much stuff on there. Then I, it starts to feel a little bit addictive in a good way. I was like, you know what? My shelves in my office are just a little cluttery. And honestly, I only removed two items and I moved the position of a couple books. It was not ultimately that much. Oh no, that's not true. I also removed my file thing. Okay. So I moved like one big piece, two medium-sized pieces, but it wasn't a lot that I removed. And yet it just created a little more white space, a little more room to breathe. And I thought that's such a good, like now I'm looking at the um, windowsill in my office. And I'm like, it's cluttery over there. I bet I would feel better if I got that out of my line of sight. And I just thought in each one of these moments, it took really very little time. It was maybe 10 minutes to do it. It took zero money. I wasn't looking to do new decoration. It did not take me as much time or energy as if I'd said, you know what? I should fully restyle the bookshelves. Let me pull everything off. Let me totally rethink it from square one. Let me try new things. Then I probably would have ended up with, you know what I'd like to buy? If I got this kind of a thing, it could go here. I wasn't rethinking all of it. I just was like, take everything off, dust it, and just see, can you remove a few things from here to simplify this? Oh, and it's just giving me breathing room in these different little corners of the house. And now I think I'm going to be doing this in the days to come. So I hope that this teaching gives you more breathing room in being able to breathe deeply into your gut, into your heart, feeling the spaciousness in your head and in your life with more confidence in what your goals and priorities are and the ability to create a little bit of space and breathing room around yourself to not be so impacted by the ideas, opinions, and opportunities of others. I would love to hear how this episode spoke to you. If you think it would help someone else, I cannot tell you how much it would mean to me if you would leave a review like Joy did and take just a moment if you would share it with anyone in your life. If you share it on Instagram, please tag me at Hillary Rushford. I would love to hear what your takeaway was from this episode so that I can better help you in the future. So I will see you over on Instagram and then right back here for the next You're Welcome Wednesday with Grace and Gumption.
Until next Wednesday. 